0: Welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Albos' most shortest work, five years on. Coming up next
1: is Elliot Diebold. And Ruben Morehouse, it's your turn.
0: Hey, it's me. We're here to talk about Judgment 16.7, but wait, Elliot, before we do, it's with a heavy heart that I have to announce that our show's coming to an end soon. But don't worry, we're doing a 24-hour live stream featuring such great activities <laughs> as a fan art review, where we're going to just look at packed fan art and talk about it. And that'll be fun, I think.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. I uh, yeah, I like I there's there's so many cool activities that we're gonna get up to. That's just one of them. Like I yep. can't I can't wait. Uh go check out the schedule, it's in the show notes below. Yeah,
0: find it down below. Now let's get into this. Judgment 16.7, which begins with Mags introducing Rose to her mouse-themed children at this theme park
1: who their official name is the mouseketeers yes. from now on right and
0: uh, did we like okay so the disneyland comparisons are made later in this chapter and i kind of can't believe that we didn't make that comparison ourselves <laughs> i feel like we failed in our in our duty as live readers if we haven't pointed out that the mouse children that live in the theme park are obviously disney themed <laughs>
1: I I don't remember saying anything about that in signature, so yeah, I think I think we just failed.
0: Yeah, it feels like Wabo wrote it into this chapter just to be like, you idiots! It's obviously a <laughs> hilarious joke. Why did you not pick up on it?
1: <laughs> Nobody got my joke like eight months ago. I yeah. need to rectify this. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I love how like this chapter sort of opens with Rose staring out into space, like she's kind of looking outside and. There's, you know, the hordes of, like, vestige wretches is the term that's used a lot in this chapter. Um, And they're in this sort of orgy of destruction of each other, mostly. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, like, it, it makes her really uncomfortable. So she eventually manages to pull her attention back into the room. And I really like this because last chapter ended with Rose sort of seeing the Mouseketeers and thinking... Oh, I don't want to think about that. And and so she looked out the window. And now this chapter's like, okay, so she's looking out the window. And that's even worse. So. Yeah, back to the mouse children. Back, back to the mouse children. <laughs> yeah. Um and and I mean, I, I think that's such a great way to open because this is a chapter that for me was all about diving into Rose. And yes. since I'm kind of assuming we're about to exit Rose's POV. It for, does seem like that. For at least a little while. Um it, like it's really interesting to go into a real big deep dive on where she's at right now and like mm-hmm. that's i think the majority of what we're going to be talking about today is uh you know all the massive insights we get into Rose's sort of state of mind uh this chapter is on all sides she's confronted by things that remind her of her shit house situation
0: yeah yeah it's interesting she she really i mean she doesn't seem to be kind of super emotional or reactive this chapter Except the bit where she you know, almost cuts off the head of one of these mouth children, I suppose. But um, <laughs> but she does this. Sh- this is the part where she finally tags Blake in, right? Which is something that theoretically mm. she probably could have done at least in the past two chapters, and she's never really done it before. She's always kind of freaked out a bit and then kind of gotten through it. I think it's interesting that she finally is like, "All right, Blake, your turn."
1: Yeah, and I think the the journey and the discussion that we see in this chapter is largely what sort of leads her to that. And I think. Well, yeah, let's just cover it as we go, I guess.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Mags indicates these four children and introduces them, and Rose has this thought that felt weird. So, let me just read it out so we can get it verbatim. Mags is introducing them, and she says, Noah, Benny, Mia, and Olive, Mags said, indicating the four children in order. And we're all present, Rose noted. Yeah. Which is a weird thought. It doesn't quite connect, right? It feels like Rose is maybe thinking about something else or like there's a lingering thought that kind of is clicking in there. But the thing is, it's italicized and we're going to get to this later on in this chapter, but there's a bit of italic text that I definitely think is Blake thinking through, like Blake's thoughts coming through into Rose's head here. And so I'm kind of looking at this and I'm thinking like, is that what this is? It, It just, it just feels weird. And I'm not quite sure what it, what it, what to make of it.
1: I mean, yeah, this line definitely jumped out to me on both read-throughs. It's like, I don't know what Rose is getting at with this. Um, your theory that it's Blake is interesting, but um, doesn't really answer it any of my any questions. It doesn't make any more sense, yeah. <laughs> it makes as little sense if Rose is
0: thinking it as if Blake is thinking it.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a lateral movement. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think, again, there's a lot in this chapter that is all about sort of tying in particular these these four vestiges to rose i mean she basically goes on a huge monologue later that we'll talk about about how similar they are and like i think it's just achieving that i mean it definitely does a a little bit and that's really that's the only thing i've sort of been able to pull from it well yeah i mean the
0: big comparison is that they're obviously not all present i mean like as in the four children (laughs) and rose are not all there (laughs) yeah that's fair so maybe that's maybe she's kind of making a little joke to herself about that I'm, i'm not sure
1: um, yeah, it could it could be. I mean, that makes more sense than any of my ideas. Yeah. So Mags kind of starts explaining what's going
0: on to these children, and they obviously don't take it well that the world seems to be ending around them, um, which is, I guess, fair enough.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've noticed you—you're just kind of skipping over the uh, body <sighs> horror descriptions of yep, the children. Yeah, of course, you're
0: going to make us go back and talk about yeah. how horrifying they
1: all are. <laughs> I mean, Olive's my favourite, right? Like, she—her face is being eaten, and yeah, and the mice are living in her gums and like pushing her teeth Which out. Which one is disgusting. it? Disgusting.
0: When they open their mouth, a rat kind of comes out and then like grabs yep. on and scurries. That's Olive, is it?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was Olive, where it's she kind of horrifying. spits out a rat, yeah, or, or sneezes out a rat. It's like, you know, all that stuff about, like, in, in the Middle Ages, where it was like, oh, you know, disease is like a demon possessing you, or a spirit possessing you. It's like, yeah, turns out maybe it kind of is, in the Pactverse. Um, but yeah, like, the, there's also a bit, I, I, again, I think it's Olive, where... Um, later on when noah agrees to something they're like does noah speak for all of you and like the other two are like yes and olive's just kind of like uh, because <laughs> because they've like eaten her tongue yes it's just like she's it's more just, yeah
0: her mouth is more mouth than mouth
1: and it's this completely disturbing and kind of hilarious beat just in the middle of this serious stuff i just yeah i i loved all the body horror this chapter yeah. was great yeah
0: yeah, it's horrifying. Um, so let's, as as I intended, let's kind of go over that and talk about the rest of this scene. Um, yeah, so these children basically are get pretty upset at, uh, well, particularly Rose, Ainsley, and Lola, who are kind of members of the powerful families of Jacob's Bell and, uh, in the eyes of the Mouseketeers, did nothing to help this situation that they knew about, which is shitty. I mean, Rose couldn't really do anything, but Ainsley and Lola were... A a willing participant in the you know the the major families in <laughs> Jacob's bell.
1: Yeah, in a way, these these kids kind of Evan everyone. Um, cause, yes, yeah, like um, I like I agree with them, but also I don't like it's it's this really fun sort of moral thing where I get what they're saying. Like their Noah's stance basically seems to be, uh, look, well, okay, even if I understand that we're better off helping you, like you left us here so you can go fuck yourselves. Like, I'm refusing to work with you. And that, that's a terrible stance, but it's also a very understandable one. Mm. Um, and, and, like, so, like, I just, I kept, it was like every line I kept kind of flip-flopping about how on side with Noah I was.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, I felt the same way. But then Rose, I mean, we'll get to this in a bit, I suppose. But Rose's response is perfect for this situation.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it works, so even if it wasn't perfect, it was, it was the <laughs> it right call. It achieved goal. its goal, yeah. All right, um,
0: before we get to that, before we get to that, um, there's this bit that I think is really interesting, where uh, Mags and Rose kind of ruminate on why the Mouseketeers haven't been, you know, barbarorum, haven't been split in half, when it seems like everything else here has, and mm. it, it's, Mags offers some theories like you know, I had a deal with Johannes and maybe that's still there or maybe Johannes was like in there somehow and, you know, exerted some small power to maintain that deal or something. And it's it's something. It's like a little thread to tug on. Yeah. We don't really get much, but it's something that's like maybe the Barbatorum is bound to previous deals. I mean, he's still got a domain. So it kind of makes sense that he's upholding,
1: you know, he's upholding Johannes's deal so that he still has access to Johannes's resources. I could see that happening yeah absolutely as you said like i think the fact that the domain and and the familiar bonds are still in place kind of suggests that barbatorum is still bound to both the benefits and presumably the you know the side effect or the what's the opposite of benefits the drawbacks fallback yeah the drawbacks that's what i'm looking for thank you Um, (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) the the drawbacks to being johannes um so, yeah, like, I, I'm going to go ahead with assuming that's the case until proven otherwise, but this does feel like one of those things where there might be a revelation in a couple of chapters, and I'll be like, ah, oh, okay, you know, like, this yeah. this was our clue to that. So,
0: um, I I guess the, the question that that begs to me is, are there any deals that we know Johannes has made that are pivotal enough to play a role here?
1: Yeah, I mentioned in my live read, I was like, I'm kind of resisting the urge to go back through every chapter Johannes has been in and track any promises um and i i've i I didn't get a chance to do that luckily um because otherwise i probably would have spent hours on it Um, yeah i i can't nothing's jumping to my mind on promises johannes has made he made a lot of deals with people but they were he was usually smart enough to make those temporary as far as i can remember yes
0: i i think the one that i'm thinking about is when he you know recruits faisal doesn't he talk about like this is what I'm going to be doing, and I'm swearing myself to be doing it in this specific way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, maybe there that some... plays into maybe Babatorem's actually going to have to better the world a little bit, <laughs> which will be fun.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. I'd have to go back and look at that phrasing. It was you know it wasn't that long ago. It was fourteen dot X. There was definitely talk of moving things back to the good old days in some ways. Which um, I mean, Babatorem. Well, yeah, He's doing that. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I'll be interested to to sort of keep an eye on this, but it's that that suggests a weakness for sure. Like as as you said, if we go with the whole he's bound to the promises, then that immediately makes you think, okay, well, what promises have we heard Johannes make in this book that can be a weakness? Yes. Um, and I and none are jumping to mind, but I'm sure I'll be kicking myself when they do.
0: Yeah, I I don't think it's so much that he's bound to it, but that if he wants to maintain his hold over the domain and over Faisal, he has to adhere to the promises as well. You know. That would yeah, yeah. make a lot of sense. Um, so I, it's a great way to deny him some resources.
1: Yeah. I, I, obviously, I think like the other thing here is like, perhaps a wrinkle in this in this work is he went, or, you know, maybe he went easy on them, but they clearly didn't come out unscathed because they're all, like, cracked like porcelain, I think is how Rose describes it. Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure that's new and I'd be willing to bet. Like, that just seems very Barbary, the way they're cracked. Mm-hmm. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe there has been some effects put on them. I I don't know. Maybe that was why it was so hard to convince them. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um,
0: so yeah, Rose and Mags kind of finish informing the Musketeers what's going on, and they ask for their help, and the Musketeers refuse. Um, and then Rose kind of refuses their refusal, I suppose.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I've decided that Thorburns shouldn't be allowed swords anymore, I just want to make that like a blanket rule for Blake and Rose, that they're yeah, not allowed them swords. Yeah, sharps. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's a bad mix. Um, And again, Rose actually looks outside before doing this, like, I mean, everyone does, because there's some, Faisal does some weird shit that I didn't fully understand um, out there, and, she, you know, she again looks out at these masses of vestiges, which obviously makes her very uncomfortable, and that... I guess, pushes her to uh, take the negotiations a bit further.
0: Yes. Um, It's, I'm torn on it, but also I really like it. Like, (laughs) it's such a crazy plan for Rose to do, but it's so clearly the perfect thing to get through to them because they obviously just don't understand the horrible, horrible, horrible situation that they're in. And it's so shitty that they're in that situation, of course, but, you know, they're making it, decision based on incomplete information and really what rose is doing is filling in the gaps in their knowledge and so it's it's nice it's a nice service that she's offering to these people at knife point
1: yeah i mean yeah you gotta wonder if there's a way to do that without a knife to the throat but um there's like a very raw honesty to this assault yeah there's no bullshit Um, here for sure yeah and and i mean you know yeah she's not molly coddling them she takes after her grandma in that (laughs) regard.
0: I I mean I know we've said this before but I'm pretty sure that's why Molly is called Molly because of the word Mollycoddle like it's so perfect.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it could be could be. Um sorry continue but, though. Yeah so, sorry um just lost my place for a sec. Yeah. Um no there's definitely huge tracks of this bit where Rose is kind of I don't know what lecturing Noah or informing Noah where like you could definitely just take entire paragraphs out of this and just frame it as her yelling at herself and Blake um like there, there's yeah. so much about the way she frames everything that is just tying her and Blake's situation in with there so much yeah and, like, I, like I think that this is so important particularly to the decision that she makes at the end of this chapter Because, um, yeah like as we said, she's being like pretty raw and honest and She, she, you know, while she's also threatening them to make them listen, she kind of gets down on their level and she's like, you know, I was constructed like you for a shitty purpose. Um, And and then something she she Mm. goes into from there after sort of comparing herself to them is, regardless of how we win, your lives are going to be some kind of miserable. And and she tries to offer them a way out. But um, there's one line in particular where you start to think... Like Rose starts talking about how she looks to the future, and you gotta think she's realizing I don't think her life is ever gonna be not miserable right yeah. like she this is something the story talked about arcs and arcs ago about how when Black and Rose found out that they were chopped up, it's kind of like they're never going to be complete they're all there's always gonna be something missing from them, and you know like rose Rose was built to last, she wasn't built to be happy about it, yeah.
0: Um, and she's made that, she's obviously traded away her future as a bargaining chip twice, right? Marrying Alistair, hmm. which isn't the worst thing. I mean, it's probably not ideal, but it's not the worst. But then, you know, devoting herself in servitude to the Abyss, or not in servitude, but as a, as a Abyss kind of scourge practitioner, like yeah. she hasn't made it herself a nice happy ending <laughs> at the end of all this.
1: No, exactly. Whereas, like Blake was so obsessed with his his happy ending that he was kind of killing himself before he could get to it. Yeah. Rose is the opposite. Rose is setting herself up for this future. Like she was built to last. And I think as she's having this conversation, she's starting to realize my life's gonna fucking suck. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Like I like I think I think this is this is going to carry through the rest of this conversation. I think this is what has this big impact on on how the chapter ends. Yeah. Yeah, so she's talking to
0: these Musketeers and telling them basically the hard truths, right? And one of the hard truths she tells them is, you guys are always going to be vestiges. And then Mm. this thought crosses her mind. A thought crosses her mind, which is, I'll always be a vestige. And explicitly, the thought crossed Rose's mind. She didn't think it. The thought crossed her mind. And it's italicized. (laughs) And as soon as I saw this, I thought to myself... This is Blake. Like it's so. It's just. It feels like Blake. And I know it could still be Rose. I know it's ambiguous enough about that. But I'm just. I. It just. It just vibes Blake to me so hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, could be, could be both. I don't know. Um, I, I definitely read it much more as like this is a, a thought Rose has mm-hmm. been avoiding. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I've already sort of touched on it. This, this is something where I think she's realizing. She set herself up for a miserable future. Um, she she comments just after this in, in her head about how she always used to have these plans for how she was going to get a domain, and they were frankly yeah. terrifying. Um she was, it seems <laughs> to me like she was planning on using the barber as leverage to make sure nobody actually challenged her. Yep. Um, which is like all sorts of fucked up. Yeah. Um, but now she's now she has this thought, which is like now that she's made this deal with the Abyss and, and all that, like, she can't get a domain. She because it will be tainted by the abyss. Or she well, she can get one, but it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a good place because yeah. it's gonna be, it's gonna be it's gonna have it to the abyss. Yeah. yeah. And like again, it's just more and more of these trends of Rose being the long term planner, and her long term plan is I'm gonna be miserable. Um and like, yeah, again, I don't think it's a coincidence that all this is happening right before where uh well she's giving Blake another turn. Yeah. Interesting. You think she's getting getting to that point of just kind of giving up i don't know if she has it in her i i you know but yeah i yeah i don't know like i I mean obviously it's kind of been established that blake would let her kill him given the chance and you know i don't think rose made any promises to be the one to kill him and to win so she could always she could always snipe him um they might end up in some competition to try and get themselves out of the picture first um Although Blake had win that. That's his special that's yeah, his special time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I don't know. Like a chapter ago, I would have assumed that Rose was gonna be the one to make it out if it had to be one of them. Um now yeah, now I'm less sure after the way this chapter's shaped up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh man, final arc stuff. Huh? It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh Noah the leader of the Musketeers um, relents under Rose's machete and willingly joins their team.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, she does the thing where she takes the sword off of his throat for a minute before he signs up, so it's kind of like, slightly less bad. Um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. obviously, like, Green Eyes comes in with the assist as well, providing this, uh, this great character reference. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, good work, Green Eyes. Really sells it. Um... I want to touch on this line, which is quite a funny line, where uh, Rose thinks that Green eyes has helped thinking in the sense that we sometimes want to look at a one-star review for a popular product to see what the worst critics have to say, which is good. It's a good line. It's funny. <laughs> but it's also italicized. And so it's kind of a mark against my Blake is thinking things again, you know, theory, because it doesn't feel very Blakey at all. It's just a weird italicized thought that Rose
1: has. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, I, I kind of read all the Italicized thoughts as Rose's, but, um, I mean, this could just be a stray thought from Blake. It could be a Blakeism. I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah, could be. Um. So, yeah, Rose kind of is reflecting now on herself and her life and also on how Johannes' domain is very similar to the Abyss. And I'm, I, I want to touch on this more because it's... I think there are obviously some connections, but it doesn't feel very deep of a... Similarity. I feel like Rose is reading more into it than I think is valid here, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah. So my understanding of the this the universe of Pact right now is that you sort of have this chaotic abyss underpinning reality, like where there's yeah, it's sort of it's sort of raw, yeah, chaotic, um, the the underbelly of of reality, and as you kind of build up, there's more and more meaning. And and I think that meaning and the 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 sort of strength of symbolism and stuff impact is something that's very much reinforced by humanity. So maybe by bringing the domain closer to the the good old pre-human days, and by you know, because it's Barbatorum, he's sort of un, uh, intentionally undone a lot of the structure of mm. the universe of the domain. So yeah. I think maybe he's just brought it down a bit closer. Like if he's if he's stripping away the top of that structure of of meaning and, and and you know those upper layers maybe that is just sort of moving it further down the spectrum towards a more abyssal just pure chaos yeah level
0: okay yeah that makes sense i, um, I like it, the that
1: aspect the fact that he is a demon of ruin
0: and presumably a bit tainted by the abyss himself after the time <laughs> in the library that, that makes sense that it would be kind of descending
1: yeah, and I mean that obviously, like, and and Rose touches on this. There's there's perhaps interesting implications there. Like, you know, we've just been learning so much about how, um, you know, our humans matter in terms of like how human belief can shape things. Mm-hmm. Uh and may, maybe that's more true here. Um, like, the practice doesn't necessarily work because it's different rules. But maybe like a group of humans has more say on what the on shaping the rules here i i don't know mm. um i mean i think the other thought i had during my live read was well if it's already halfway to the abyss can we keep pushing it yeah just give it a little like, bit more of a nudge drop yeah, a few Blake's, desks on it blake still owes the abyss a big meal right like here's one
0: yeah well i feel like dropping hillsglade house in kind of satisfied the bargain there but maybe not
1: yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, he kind of was fighting against that, though, so I don't know if yeah, he really a counter. Don't give him credit for it,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know,
1: they have the Musketeers in tow now, and so the group
0: descends through some damaged floors, heading to the bottom to continue their journey, um, and they cross
1: paths with a few others as they go. Yeah, so let's talk about more body horror, because... Yeah. There is a guy in this scene who's literally, apparently, only been left with the ability to feel pain, and uh, (laughs) apparently, he's felt it. So, shit, that's horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) That's a fun Um, existence. There's also, like, this crazy... His other half is this, like, crazy, violent muscle woman. Like, I think it's said that he's sort of all fat, and she's sort of all, like, muscle and, and, and sort of... like. Is it unfair to compare these two to Blake and Rose? <laughs> yeah, like, see, you
0: put that in the notes and I'm kind of like, I mean, I guess in the sense <laughs> that they're two people and a man and a woman, like, any time no, a vestige is cut in half, you kind of have to compare them to Blake and Rose, but I don't know if it
1: goes that deep. I, I mean, just, like, on a slightly less intense level, the idea of Blake being yeah. the punching bag yeah. and Rose being the the cutthroat who's out, out the back, Um, like, I think... I think there's something there. Yeah, um, I,
0: I suppose, yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's a loose connection, but, I, like, yeah, as you sort of touched on, this this place and this chapter are full of vestiges. It's just ripe for comparisons to Blake and Rose. Yeah. And I can't, like, again, this is maybe one of those little subconscious things where we see a guy who was just made to feel pain and, like, the scary mm. girl out the back, and, and that's just tying, tying a little thread between Blake and Rose and, and their purpose in our head. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Um, yeah, these two, man are in bad shape, <laughs> like so they were presumably a vestige. They were basically human. Um, they seem very humanoid. So, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Um, they're clearly in no shape to you know make any aggressive moves. They kind of just seem to be in their own little worlds of pain, which is fun for them. Um, yeah, it's rough.
1: Yeah and again as you sort of touched on seemingly they're just a a human vestige. Yes. Um which, which adds more credibility to some of the conspiracy theory stuff we were talking about about like the musketeers. Yes. Um and why they're okay cuz yeah. obviously not all the vestiges were either that or this was just a straight up human which kind of raises a different set of questions. <laughs> yeah.
0: A different and equally horrifying set I think. Yes.
1: <laughs> um uh, like the, were the musketeers human version's too different from them now because the kids had grown up or something. I I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Um, We see some more Paige powers. Um, The the lawyer and the bloodhound are almost caught on them and Paige basically sends i mean it's basically the literal ghosts of the demons past onto him (laughs) as how it seems to be um it's like the most thorburn power ever which is forcing you to be weighed down by your mistakes it's awesome it's a thought it's a real classic thorburn moment
1: yeah like you um like rose frames it as karmic burden um is what she thinks it might be like this manifestation of your karma dragging you back which is just Yeah, as you said, the irony of a Thorburn weaponizing someone's bad karma against them is fucking delicious. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's it's a fun little, fun little almost blink and you'll miss it description of what's going on as they try to scamper through these holes in the wall. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. But they kind of overcome these little mini trials and find themselves on the ground floor, and they're in some kind of huge worm made tunnel just like Star Wars, I suppose, um, where it's it's really weird. There's there's definitely... The Mouseketeers kind of hang a bit of a lampshade on what's going on with this tunnel, so maybe we'll find out in a bit. Um, but Rose basically realises she's out of her depth here and uh, tags in our, bo- our big boy, our main man, Blake.
1: No, sorry, forget Blake. What's the deal with this worm? I need to know more... About the worm, do we get well, more info on the worm? <laughs> yeah, just tell me. I I, I need to know.
0: <laughs> I mean, if Johannes's domain is basically like the abyss, the last worm we saw in the abyss was pretty intense. So, the expectations for a worm here are pretty high.
1: <laughs> but like, it, like Johannes used to come and ask it questions. Like, wh- what sort of questions was he asking? I, I'm I'm you know,
0: how's the decomposition going? I, I need
1: to know about this worm. Like, this is. This this is in my like top five unanswered questions in Pact so far. No, now. no, this no. The worm. He, Ellie,
0: you misunderstand. He didn't ask it like questions to gain information. He came down to play trivia games with it. He he did like a uh, Trivial
1: Pursuit and stuff with this worm. See, so you, you say that like a trivia worm isn't. Equally <laughs> yeah, you're <fascinating>. right. That's <laughs> even better. <laughs> I'd love a trivia worm. Um. Uh, yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. This is very fun. Uh, like I, I was sort of keen before. If if this doesn't go anywhere if we never find any more out about the worm. I'll be disappointed, but like, that'll totally be the point. Like, this is just some fun, bonus little world building. Yeah, gotta uh, save some stuff least. for the sequel. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, it's gonna the be called Pact 2, 2, 2 Worm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pac-2 oh, is man, gonna that's be a good called... point. I would See, because, like, I can't, like, even if I wanted to Google for, like, word of God answers on this, I can't, because what am I going to Google, A packed worm? Uh, A worm wild bow. (laughs) 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 Well, he's found the the perfect way to fuck with people reading the story, like, because you can't even Google to see if there's word of God on it. It's great. Yeah
0: um yeah so but uh, putting aside the worm for a second i know it's hard (laughs) but putting aside the worm yeah it seems like blake is about to be tagged back in so we'll see what the actual shape of him is i mean he's been basically quiet except for this chapter uh for for a while so we'll see
1: (laughs) uh yeah i i love i love the delivery of this as well because like the, the way it's set up for us is wall is like do you even have a plan like beyond just attack and rose is like Kinda, and and then you know, and then tag him it, in. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it it's Blake, and I was like, well, good thing she didn't just say yes because I don't know if you can call anything involving Blake a proper plan. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, like she doesn't have a plan. Her plan is like, I'm just gonna unleash pure chaos on everyone by by letting Blake out, and it's gonna be like, as you said, I can't wait to see what state he's in. I I'm assuming we're switching back to like the first person Blake perspective um when he makes his appearance i don't know if that's going to be permanent i feel like the the whole your turn thing maybe maybe we're going to like kind of flicker between them like a bunch as this as the story ends like that could be really fun like i'd love to explore that relationship and 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 why they they decide to change like who's in charge at times um and and yeah i just i'm so excited to see what blake's like i know it's Blake, so he's not gonna like you know just take five minutes to say hi and catch up with everyone. He's he's probably gonna open by saying hi and then running into the wormhole. The um, wormhole. But <laughs> it is a that, wormhole. That was poor phrasing. That's funny. Um. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> um. But yeah, like I'm, I'm so excited to see because Blake has has given so much to Rose since we last saw him, and what's he like now? Like this, it's gonna be so interesting to see next yeah. chapter. Yeah. Uh, but we will have to wait for next chapter to find out
0: unfortunately because that's the end of 16.7 it feels like we're getting this is the we've we've had i think one or two chapters of setting up the fi- the f- grand finale and now i think we're about to hit the pedal back <laughs> i mean blake's in charge again so yeah, we're about was- to stick <laughs> the pedal back down
1: i was about to say you don't put blake back in charge if you want to keep doing more setup blake is the doer not the uh, yep. uh the planner um so, so yeah yeah i yeah i think we're charging straight at that tower uh, <laughs> next chapter yeah. Um, but that's for next chapter.
0: Before we end our episode, let's dive back in and see, as we round the final turn, what uh, people were saying about this book for, uh, five years ago when this chapter first came out. Um, Elliot, do yeah. you want to pull out your comment?
1: Sure. Uh, so I pulled out a comment by Guy. Um, mm-hmm. Specific. And, and basically <laughs> uh, basically Guy just sort of brought up um, this this sort of moral debate that was happening with Noah about how, like guys, kind of defending the Wallers and the Ainsleys by saying, "I actually think it was pretty unreasonable to expect them to do anything about Johannes because he had an angel assisting him. His domain <laughs> was fucking huge. Like, He was yeah. very powerful. There, there was nothing these people could do. Perhaps even if they all got together and organised, like you know, you, you can't even really besiege him because his domain's so big." Um, and and Guy kind of ties it back to what was happening in Toronto. Like I think this is really interesting about thing About this comment to me, was um, you know, guy says that they and and we have done it as well, criticize the Toronto practitioners a lot for not doing not dealing with things like uh and and pose. Um, and, and guy's kind of like, yeah, because they could, whereas like dealing with Johannes was probably beyond the capabilities of, of the rest of Jacob's Bell, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, it's just it's just interesting to sort of see. Like, I feel like I feel like a lot of different people would have a lot of different takes on exactly how reasonable noah's anger at lola and ainsley was here
0: yeah well the interesting thing i mean we didn't touch on it
1: in our in our discussion
0: but evan was actually on not on noah's side evan evan who was you know this mm. very arc talking about to elder sister about how dare she not take actions to to do something was talking to noah about how actually well there wasn't really much that could have been done here <laughs> I, I think it was very interesting to put yeah on the that's other a really side good point. of good argument
1: yeah, if anything, I'd say that that's maybe a case for agreeing with Guy that it's unreasonable of Noah to expect them to have done anything because yeah. yeah, putting Evan the who has so far kind of been the embodiment of hating that kind of talk um on that on the other side uh kind of validates it yeah yeah definitely
0: um so I put out a comment by a user called Zim the Fox um and I I like this comment because it kind of started talking about what Uh, zim thinks is going to happen towards the end of the story and how much they hope for a nice blake green eyes evan kind of relaxing (laughs) conclusion um but how that doesn't seem super likely um and it kind of started a chain of people basically theorizing about how this story is going to end up um and so i thought as we round the final bend elliot what do you think how is this story gonna (laughs) is there a possibility for blake
1: to have a happy ending here yeah, it's hard to say at this point. Like, I want to read next chapter before really talking about anything like that because presumably next chapter we're going to get a look at what Blake is is like now. Yeah, true. And I think that's that's going to really inform my opinion of whether there's a happy ending for Blake because as we sort of already touched on, I've like uh, just the way Rose behaved in this chapter made me think that she's starting to give up on on having a future as well, and. So that kind of puts a bit of a spanner in the works. I think up until now I'd kind of assumed that Rose probably was the one who was going to make it out, like they said. Seeing what Blake is like now next chapter is going to really, I think, uh, give me some insight into where I think that that whole situation might end up with these two.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you're not going to stake a bold claim?
1: Um. I mean, if, if, you, if you want me to. Yeah, put something <laughs> like, down so that people can hold I mean, you to, t- is, to account all... on whether
0: you get it right or not
1: okay then my low confidence but very firmly held prediction is (laughs) i mean i'm gonna go with blake i want it to be blake um like like zim the fox says i want like i just wanted happily ever after for uh, sushi chicken nugget and Uh. and tree boy um although he i guess he wouldn't be a tree boy anymore
0: he'd be a real boy like pinocchio
1: yeah they can fix that um just send him down to the abyss for five minutes, and and it um, yeah, all it get all gets sorted. Get his branches back. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll, I'll pick Blake, but I like, I I reserve the right to completely do a one eighty on that. Uh. Halfway through next chapter. All
0: right, Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, speaking of next chapter, mm. that's when you'll have to wait to hear from us again. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, because that is the end of our coverage of this chapter. Yeah. Uh so if you if if you want to keep talking about this chapter, head on into the discussion thread that's linked in the show notes below. It's also the best place to uh answer our discussion question, which is what do you think of Pact's pacing?
0: Yeah. Um it's something that's come up a lot in discussion about Pact, and we want to hammer out this argument once and for all. Let's get stuck into it. So leave us your thoughts in that
1: discussion thread. Um, yeah that's right cuz we'll be we'll be tackling that on Monday and basically we'll be solving we'll, it
0: not just tackling it. Yeah
1: ex- exactly. We'll make the final uh, discussion closed forever decision on packed spacing.
0: Yep. It'll be settled forever. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want more information on all packed up our 24-hour live stream and it's for charity as well um that we're doing when this show ends, you can check out the top link in the show notes down below. And we've got a full schedule, all kinds of cool stuff. Hey, you can even get involved. Leave us some thoughts and ideas, and we're going to have all kinds of participation and donations and rewards and milestones, and it'll be crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, and if if you've had enough of Pact for now, <laughs> um, you know, get other things in your system so yeah. that you're craving Pact again by Monday for yep, our next yep, episode. Yep. Uh, head on over to doofmedia.com. There's uh, We Want More and Kingslingers and, you know, probably some other new shows soon. Mm. Uh so you know just just keep going to doofmedia.com make that your homepage. check it every day all the time yeah what about a show
0: where uh scott and matt just go around and eat all kinds of different fast food and then they have to rank it and it's like each episode they do a different fast food and then they talk about it for like an hour and it's like
1: yeah is that a show I mean, we'll, we'll have to pitch it to them and find out.
0: Yeah. Um, and if, it, if you want it to be a show, the best way to make it happen is by supporting the Doof Media Network. Because I think time has shown that if we give enough money to Matt and Scott, they will literally kill themselves to make more shows for this network. So um, if you want to see that happen, go to patreon.com forward slash Doof Media and give them money and tell them it's for the burger show or fast food or whatever. <laughs>
1: Yes, uh, and, and speaking of people who seem to be killing themselves to bring us content, mm. head on over to patreon.com forward slash because he keeps making chapters at a frankly insane rate, uh, and he does that because of the support of all of his patrons.
0: Yeah. Oh, that would be a great Wildbo story. Okay, so got to give it a four-letter name, so it's going to be meat, and he goes around, it's like a story about like the fast food industry, and I don't really know what, he, he can figure out the details, I'm just the ideas guy, but I think that's what it will be like. <laughs>
1: okay i i i have no idea how to work off of this i I want to do yes and but i'm stuck
0: just do a a quick no but
1: (laughs) so we'll be back on monday the 17th of february for judgment 16.8
0: we'll see you then